welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Today, lesson 20, we are going to talk about David. He was the young man that was actually anointed by Samuel last time we spoke uh, as to be the uh, future king of Israel, and yet he had not yet been given the kingship because, of course, Saul is not going to let go of that very easily. We had left off in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we could see at that point that as soon as David sort of received the Spirit of God when he was anointed, Saul, God had withdrawn his spirit from Saul and had actually sent an evil spirit to torment him. Now, I know there's a lot of theological questions about why would God send an evil spirit upon someone? And, you know, honestly, I don't know the answer to that. But I have a feeling that when God withdraws his presence, it leaves room for evil. And so that's really, I think, what's happening here is because God has withdrawn his favor and his blessing and his presence from Saul. Saul is now free out there, a free agent for all the other spirits that are in the uh, spiritual realm to attack him. And so this particular spirit comes upon him that torments him so much so that he can't stand it. He basically kind of goes crazy. And so finally he tells one of his attendants, can you just find me someone who could maybe gently play the harp or something that will help me relax a little bit? And so the messenger goes out and looks all around and he finds young David, strangely enough, and David plays the harp. And so he invites David to come in and stay with the king and play his harp to relax the king whenever he's in one of his moods. And so that's what happens. David comes to live with Saul, and in the process, I'm sure that he overheard and saw a lot of what was going on in managing the kingdom. Okay, in chapter 17, we will see David at uh, his finest, where he really makes his mark. Remember, he's just a little uh, shepherd boy, and now he's a harpist for the king. And yet, the... Uh, army of the Israelites has gone to battle with the Philistines and they're out there on the battlefield several of David's brothers have gone to war and are out there and so one day David is uh, really working with his dad and his dad says why don't you go bring your brothers some refreshments uh, cheese whatever and so David agrees to go and so he heads uh, walks and walks and walks and heads over to where the battle is at which is quite a ways away uh, miles probably and when he gets there he sees the Israelite army kind of hiding behind the line of scrimmage whatever you want to call it where they are um, pretty much afraid to move forward and the reason they're afraid is because this giant of a man is walking up and down the field tormenting the Israelites, saying, why don't you just send one of your guys out to fight with me? And whoever wins that battle will determine the answer There's no po uh, to this war. There's no point in us, all of us fighting. Just send one of your men out to fight with me. Well, Israel didn't have any men that were as big as this guy. He was just huge and very intimidating and it wasn't just him he had several brothers that were very big and intimidating but at this point it's just the guy's name is Goliath Goliath out there uh, from the Philistine army taunting the Israelites and David sees this and he looks at his brothers and he says why are you all so afraid of him of course that's the Texas version <laughs> what he really said was what's going to be given to whoever finally uh, meets this challenge and kills this guy. 
And of course, his brothers are just irritated at him because they get word that he's asking around, well, what's the reward? And finds out that the reward is that he gets to marry the um, princess, one of Saul's daughters, Michael, as we mentioned earlier. And so he's thinking, huh, you also get part of the inheritance. This could be a good deal for me. Okay, uh, it will exempt him from his father's family and his father's family from taxes in Israel. It's just a good deal. So David said, well, you know what? I, I might want to do that. His brothers find out about it. And he, they say, are you crazy? You are such a little guy. He's just going to squish you. And partly they are protecting their brother and partly they are just irritated that he's uh, there, you know, talking so boastfully. And so David says to him, what have I done? Can't I even speak? And he turns away to someone else and says, you know, uh, you know, what, what's the deal here? What do I have to do to be uh, considered uh, a possible uh, contender for this uh, Goliath guy? And so they bring David before Saul and Saul says, or David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight. So Saul replies, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will, will be like one of them, because he has defiled the army of the living God, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So we see that David is a very brave individual, and he so trusts God. I mean, you can see his courage, not just in his own ability, although he knows he has some ability, but in his confidence that God will take care of him. So Saul says, okay, if you really want to go, the, the Lord be with you. And he says, but before you go here, let me put you, you know, suit you up in armor. So Saul puts his armor on David. Now remember, Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else, and David's a little guy. Well, David gets into this armor, and he can't move. He's just basically stuck there. So finally he says, you know what? I don't need this armor. I just need my little slingshot and some stones, and I think that'll just do it for me. And sure enough, David goes out there, takes one of his stones, swings it around in his little slingshot, and shoots it right at Goliath. It hits him on the temple, and Goliath goes down. Saul, uh, David runs forward, grabs Goliath's own knife, pulls it out, and chops off his head. Yes, I know, it's very bloody and gory. So <laughs> we see that right off the bat, David has tremendous courage and that he is not intimidated by anything. And so the king is just proud of him. He said, you know, great, you've, you did a great job here and you may marry my daughter, blah, blah, blah. So David gets to marry Michael. You would think that that would be a blessing for him. But as it turns out, it really isn't because Michael is kind of a pain in his side. But in the meantime, Let's think about what's going on here. Um, in fact, it's, if those of you that have the book will be able to look at some of your um, homework questions. Um, when Saul heard of David's willingness to fight Goliath, um, he, he really didn't think that David was going to win. And so for his attitude was, well, I'm, at least I'm not losing one of my big fighting guys. Um, 
what happened was that God intervened and protected David. So when they get home, Saul is a little jealous of David. In fact, he you hear the people shouting, the women are singing in the streets, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Well, remember, David's really only killed one, but because of this one battle, he had saved all of the fighting men having to go into battle. So Saul gets a little irritated at this and begins to get very jealous of David because David is proving himself to be quite the young man. So he starts to keep a very close eye on David. In fact, he gets his daughter, Michael, to kind of be a spy and to kind of be a thorn in David's side. Uh, so from here on, we see Saul battling with David, trying to kill him at points. Um, you know, he just gets so angry with with David and then he says oh I'm sorry I'm sorry come back I really want you right around here with me and I want my daughter with me and so he is not um, at all acting rationally but we of course already know that Saul has this weird evil spirit on him now in the meantime Saul's son Jonathan really admires David and the two of them become very very good friends in fact I think that David and Jonathan have the ideal partnership they trust each other. They, um, when things go bad, they kind of turn to each other. And we see even when Saul gets so angry and is about to kill David, it's Jonathan that goes and warns him and says, hey, you better get out of here. So David begins this time of hiding out. And in the process, remember, he's collected quite a few um, admirers, uh, fellow soldiers and such who just really believe in David. They trust his courage. They like him. And so he begins to collect this sort of band of outlaws. And they all hide in the hills and avoid the king. And the king, of course, has already sent out this edict, you know, we need to get David. But remember, David has done nothing wrong. It's just that Saul is terribly jealous. Okay, while David is out hiding out, there are several things he, has, he does to protect himself. One of the first things, because he had to take off so quickly, is to stop and ask one of the priests in one of the surrounding little um, temples, uh, hey, could you have anything that we could eat? My, my band and I were kind of hungry and we had to leave in kind of a hurry. And the temple priest says, well, the only thing I have is the bread that's been offered on the altar. And so David says, well, okay, I'll do that. We're on the Lord's business. So uh, this, this priest could have gotten in a lot of trouble for that. David also asks him, hey, don't you have any kind of weapons around here? And the priest says, well, I have the sword that you used to kill Goliath. And David said, great, there's none like it. I'll take it. So David flees from Saul and he goes up into this area and hides out in, in this area uh, of the hill country. And he hides out in the caves. In the meantime, Saul, who was, finds out that David has uh, took off, goes after him, goes to that priest, Abimelech, and um, says, Hey, why did you give aid to my enemy? And Abimelech Ahimelech, I'm sorry. Ahimelech says, you know what? He, he said he was on your business. We thought he was um, had a special uh, task ahead of him. So, of course, we, we did whatever we could to help. But Saul didn't like that answer, and so he had the, the priest and all his family killed. 
So we see what kind of a man that Saul is, even from the beginning um, of this chase between him and David. Saul does everything to be uh, to anger God, while David does everything to try and please God. In fact, at one point, uh, Saul has gotten so close to where David's at that um, he goes into this cave to go to the bathroom because of course there weren't really any porta potties around there and David happens to be hiding in that cave and David sneaks up behind him cuts off part of his robe remember in the meantime Saul isn't doesn't even know what's going on and then when Saul is back out and um, with his army David goes out and says hey I was so close I could have killed you look here's this uh, part of your robe and yet uh, Saul then says, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, David. I didn't realize you really weren't trying to kill me. And he blesses him and says, may the Lord just bless you. I know that you will someday be king um, because you, you know, God has just given you such wisdom, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. The reason Saul says this is because at this time, and really it's been this way throughout history, when one uh, king takes over from an, um, after another king has left, and it's not his immediate family, one of the things that the new king would do would be to totally destroy, wipe out the old king's family. So there wouldn't be some kind of a revolt or some kind of a, oh, we're sorry we picked this king, let's go back to one of the other king's sons or whatever. So it was a way of solidifying their territory. And so we see David, you know, giving his oath to Saul, saying that he would watch out for, for Saul's family when he's finally king. Okay, so Saul goes back home, but David does not return because he's really not quite sure yet that Saul is sincere, and that's wise because Saul's been so schizophrenic. So instead, David and his merry men just kind of hang out in the hills, and while they're there, they find a band of sheep herders, and they kind of help them out, kind of protect them from the local Philistines and stuff like that. Some of the things that David would do is they, he would actually go and attack uh, make it look like he was on the side of the Philistines and then go and attack you know, a, a town of, of Israel. But instead of actually working with the Philistines, he would turn against them and kill some of the Philistine army in the process. So it was like he just used it as an opportunity, you know, kind of like a double spy type thing. So we see that David is here protecting this man, Nabal's um, shepherds and once it's uh, time to go ahead and shear the sheep, David comes by and says, hey, we've been protecting your guys all this time. We think you should give us some of the profit. You know, we just want our fair share. And the guy, Nabal, doesn't really like the idea at all. In fact, he just says, oh, we should just have those people killed. Get out of here. And so <laughs> David doesn't take very kindly to this. And he decides, you know what, we've helped this guy out. We're going to go back and just destroy him because he's been so cruel to us. Well, Nabal is married to a very wise woman named Abigail. And we learn about Abigail in chapter 25 of 1 Samuel where Abigail hears what her husband has said and she realizes the terrible danger that they're in and so she tells the servants hurry get me a bunch of food together and a bunch of uh, gifts that I might give David to appease his anger because she realizes what a mighty 
uh, forced David is and how stupid her husband has been. And so she thinks, if I just go and present these things to David, maybe he will um, let, you know, bygones be bygones and forget about his vendetta against Nabal. Now, she did not tell her husband, probably because he would have had a fit about it. So she goes up and she submits uh, low to the ground saying, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, I realize what you have done and please take these offerings. And so when, da when David sees her, he realizes what she has, um, you know, risked. And he's very impressed with her. And in fact, um, he says, yes, your husband is a fool, but we do accept this. And so thank you and uh, there, let there not be any bloodshed today. And so in the, when Abigail gets back home, her husband finds out and he has a stroke immediately and then he dies. And so the nice thing is that Abigail is then free to, um, and David hears about it and he comes back and he wants to marry Abigail, you know, feeling that she is such a wise woman that he would want her on his side. And she really is. Okay, so uh, David, in the midst of all of this, has picked up a wife, Abigail. In the meantime, his other wife has been given off to another man, and so uh, Saul's daughter. And so uh, David really is starting his life over. It's been a hard time for him. And one of the things we need to remember about David, it's during this time of fleeing for his life, of trying to figure out what they should do next, of trying to have respect for the existing king, that David writes a lot of the book of Psalms. And so one of the things I want to encourage you to do is to spend some time in the book of Psalms. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But if, as you have time, spend some time reading through some of the emotions that David was going through. All right. At this point, I'm going to stop for this week and we will talk a little bit more about David's rise to finally taking over, over as king. Um, at this point, he is still a little bit wary of Saul and so he doesn't want to directly face Saul. You would might say, well, why didn't he just go ahead and kill Saul and take over? But David realizes that sometimes you have to respect someone's position even if you don't respect them that there is a authority structure uh, built into all of our lives and in that there are people who we really are required to respect even though we don't respect them as an individual but we respect their position and that's what's happening here is that David will not harm Saul because he respects the position and he knows that when in God's time God will bring about whatever destruction he wants upon Saul. And in the meantime, he knows what he needs to do. I had referenced last week, uh, chapter 28, where Saul finally is just so distraught and he has to go to war and he's afraid. And so he goes and sees this uh, fortune teller. And the fortune teller conjures up this uh, spirit of Samuel who, have, who has died and um, says, you know, Basically, Samuel shows up and says, why have you called me back from the grave, more or less? And uh, Saul says, well, I'm afraid and I need you to help me. And I'm in great distress. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He no longer answers me either by prophets or by dreams. So I've called on you to tell me what to do. And Samuel says, why do you consult me now? that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy. 
The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. If you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Malachites, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel to the Philistines. So Saul is just falls in fear he's heartbroken now the only good thing that came out of him conjuring up Samuel is that the Lord gave him another prophecy and this was not one he probably wanted to hear so he knows that within no time he is going to be killed and sure enough that is what happens we we will talk more about that next week because uh, we want to see exactly how this transfer of power takes place Okay, thank you so much for being with us today on Basic Bible 101. I hope that from today you can learn uh, some very valuable lessons. One, giants are not to be feared if the Lord is with you. Two, reverence for those in authority is well documented in the Bible. Three, a wise woman's quick actions saved her entire household. So God removed her from a miserable marriage, blessing her with a loving husband. And it's not a good idea to dabble in witchcraft. God will find out. So hopefully those are some of the lessons you've got from today's uh, story about Saul. Next week we will start with David's um, victory, victory against the Philistines and the way that he is eventually ushered in as the new king. For next week, be sure that you take some time to finish reading the first 12 verses of 2 Samuel because that's what we'll be covering. And uh, until then... Thanks so much. Be sure to check out the website if you, there's anything you need in the way of special resources for this class. And if you have questions, remember you can always email me, margie at basicbible101.com. Thanks. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.